Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Happy holidays to you. Hope you're having a good one with your family. As we do every year, we count down the top 20 sports business radio stories of the year, and it's going to be no different this year. We'll devote this week and next week to counting down our top 20 stories. This week, we'll bring you stories 20 through 11, and then next week, we'll bring you stories 10 through 1 for our final show of the year. Our esteemed panel of experts here at Sports Business Radio got together, compiled this list of stories. You may agree or disagree. You may agree or disagree with the order of importance for the stories as we reveal them and count them down all the way down to number one. Uh, I'd love to get your thoughts, as always, at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. You can visit our Sports Business blog, download the SBR podcast on demand by going to sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm on Twitter at SB Radio. Brian Griggs, esteemed executive producer of this show, joins me. Uh, Griggs, I always enjoy doing this show and counting down the biggest stories of the year. It kind of uh, brings back memories of over the course of the year, some good, some bad. But uh, 2011, a lot of big news. Yeah, and it's fun kind of going through the list here and looking through it, and you realize how much happens in a year in just sports alone. You know, how many big stories happen, and you're like, was that this year? Wow, this time has gone by so fast or something like that. It's, it's fun going through it. So we got a lot of good stories, a lot of good uh, commentary and thoughts on it. So it's going to be a fun show. And anytime you have mega events like World Cup, next year in 2012, you've got the Summer Olympics in London. Those are always going to be uh, near the top of the list for us. So take that into consideration as well. All right. When we come back, we will begin the countdown with our top 20 sports business radio stories of the year 2011. Happy holidays from all of us here at Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Happy holidays from Sports Business Radio. More of our countdown of the top 20 sports business stories of the year coming up next. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages, and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. 
back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We're back and we're counting down the top 20 Sports Business Radio stories of the year 2011. Let's start with story number 20. Tiger Woods wins his first tournament in two years, 26 tournaments. It's the Chevron Open. Last tournament of the year, Griggs. And it's Tiger's tournament. The bad news was Chevron said before the tournament they're not renewing their sponsorship. So Tiger Woods' tournament is looking for a new title sponsor. But Tiger played pretty well at the end of the year. He uh, had the clinching point for the President's Cup. And he wins the Chevron Open. Golf needs Tiger Woods to return to prominence in 2012 for that sport to take its place again amongst sports that people care about on a regular basis. I agree. Tiger is, I mean, he is what keeps people watching PGA, him and Mickelson and a few others, but he's the guy that is the forefront of that. So uh, it was good to see him win that open. He looked a little bit more like Tiger. He was excited out there. He did the fist pumps. He was, you could tell he was feeling it and excited to be feeling it again. So I think it's a good thing for him to go out on like that. And um, I'm sure he'll get another sponsor if he continues to play good golf. The other part of the Tiger Woods story in 2011 is he fired his longtime caddy, Stevie Williams, and there was a lot of controversy there. Stevie Williams signed on with Adam Scott, won a tournament with Adam Scott, did an interview afterwards and talked about how it was the biggest win of his career as a caddy, even though he's been on the bag with Tiger Woods for many majors. So some bad blood between the two of them. Uh, Stevie Williams was at an event and uttered a racial epithet. Uh, which was not very good for him against Tiger Woods. Tiger took it in stride, and uh, you know he played better after that. The other big thing with the PGA Tour this year, Griggs, is that the PGA, their TV rights were up. And a lot of people thought, okay, Tiger Woods has not been playing well. He's not playing in the final round of tournaments. TV ratings have really declined. So the PGA is going to have a hard time getting anywhere near the rights fees they've gotten for their previous TV deal. Not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corso would say. Tim Fincham, the commissioner of the PGA, did a really good job. They got more money in re-upping NBC and CBS to continue to cover the PGA Tour. They gave away some of their digital rights in the process, but they ended up with more money, so golf will still be a very big part of the coverage on CBS and NBC. Our 19th biggest story of the year 2011, Michael Vick continued his renaissance. Remember Michael Vick, the dogfighting scandal, he went to prison, he signed with the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, the Philadelphia Eagles in August signed him to a $100 million deal, $40 million of which was guaranteed, six-year deal. Vick became the face of that franchise officially. Did not have a great year. The Eagles signed a number of free agents. A lot of people were calling them the dream team, saying they were one of the favorites to go to the Super Bowl. Doesn't look like they're even going to make the playoffs. A big disappointment. Andy Reid could lose his job as head coach of the Eagles at the end of the year. But the story here is that Mike Vick really went from the outhouse to the penthouse once again. In sports, it's pretty rare where you go from the bottom to the top and then you get kicked down to the bottom, especially in the way Vic did, after the horrible dogfighting scandal and going to prison. Then he gets out of prison, gets a chance to play with the Eagles, 
ascends back to the top, has a great year last year, and gets a $100 million deal, Griggs. Big story. Yeah, it was a big story. And, you know, Michael Vick is uh, somebody that, that people like to follow. I mean, he's a, he's a fun athlete to watch, and he's, uh, you know, in the NFL, he's something different. So I think people, you know, like to follow him. And, you know, like you said, I mean, he went to the lowest of lows and, and did something that, and it's not something that's normal as much either. You're not, it's not like a, a rape thing or a drunk driving type thing where you hear more about it. But a dogfighting ring, I think, is what got a lot more attention to it because you got a whole nother ballpark of people interested in it, you know, the, the animal lovers and all that right. stuff going on. So, you know, that was a big story on that side of it, too, that was outside of the NFL because it was that kind of a story. So um, it's good to see him rebound. I, you know, I wish he wouldn't have got, he got banged up pretty good this year. But, uh, you know, I think he's still got some, some good football in him. So Vic spent 18 months in federal prison on dogfighting charges. His renaissance continues. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Vic does in the future, but $100 million invested by the Eagles into Michael Vick. The 18th biggest headline of the year 2011, and we grouped this together, some notable passings from the sports world. Al Davis, longtime owner of the Raiders, who was really uh, the guy who got the NFL on the map early on, was a coach, was a scout, was a general manager, was an owner. There wasn't too many hats that he didn't wear Griggs. He made some questionable decisions in the latter stages of his life, including drafting Jamarcus Russell, which turned out to be a bust as the number one pick a few years ago. But say what you want about Al Davis, a lasting legacy when it comes to the NFL, and a lot of people uh, very sad when he passed away. Yeah, and he's just one of those guys that has been around the sport so long that everybody and anybody in the NFL knows him or has worked with him or played with him or coached with him, and I think that's what, you know, he's. it's like he's got his hands out to the whole entire nation because even though he's down in Oakland, everybody in the NFL has done something without Davis or played with him or, or draft, been drafted by him or whatever, so I think that's kind of what, what tied it to him. And one of the fun things with him is he was a walking soundbite, man. He had some phenomenal soundbites in his career. Especially in the latter years. <laughs> yeah, oh boy. Especially in the latter years. Another notable passing this year, Joe Frazier, heavyweight champion of the world. We all remember his epic battles with Muhammad Ali, and Joe Frazier died of cancer this year. And uh, that was a real unfortunate passing. And he was one of my favorite boxers, such an icon in Philadelphia. Uh, many people have said this and all chime in. I think there needs to be, you know, there's a statue of Rocky in Philadelphia. There needs to be a statue of Joe Frazier in Philadelphia. This guy was a real life, true champion and uh, just one of the greatest boxers we've ever seen. Yeah, and he was just—he was such such a big icon when boxing was so huge too. I mean, he was right there in the middle of it all, and you know, just just a phenomenal in the ring, just intimidating, and he knew how to take guys down. I mean, he just dominated the sport. He was he was fun to watch, and uh, and just seemed like a cool guy too off the uh, off the the ring too. You're right. The era of boxing. I mean, Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, uh, George Foreman, Ken Norton. I mean, just unbelievable boxers in that era. But his fights with Muhammad Ali. If you watch those fights, they're the best fights you'll ever see. And you talk about rivalries in sports. That was one of the all-time greatest rivalries, individual rivalries, that we've ever seen. And uh, it's just sad that Joe Frazier lost his life uh, way too soon. And it's back when the, the fans were so much into boxing back then. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the people are just, they're like on the ring. They're as close as they can get, you know, and there's the, the people are throwing stuff on when it's over. And this, the, the whole, it, it's like a Rocky scene, you know. It was like the real life of Rocky scene back when he was boxing. Yeah, and the thrill in Manila, just unbelievable. All right, Ted Fortsman, the chair of IMG, he died 
of a brain tumor. That was a big loss. He was, you know, very, very instrumental in the agent world. And then just in a horrific crash, Dan Weldon died at the Las Vegas 300 in October. Griggs, you know, I'm not going to pretend I've watched a lot of auto racing, but that was the worst crash I've ever seen. When you have that many cars going airborne, it was pretty much a miracle that Dan Weldon was the only driver that lost his life that day because that was just a horrific crash. Yeah, then those are, I mean, yeah, it's just so visibly, when you saw it happen, you're like, someone's not going to walk away from that one because it's just, it was just terrible. I mean, it was one of those ones where, as a sports fan and, and millions of people seeing it, and I can't imagine being there, but um, yeah, just horrific and <laughs> terrible way to, to go out. Well, and we'll see if some of the rules of IndyCar racing change. Will they still race on an oval? Uh, what tracks will they race at in the future? It will be interesting to watch to see how Dan Weldon's death changes the sport of IndyCar driving in the future. All right, our countdown continues. We're bringing you the top 20 sports business radio stories of the year 2011. Again, this week we're bringing you stories 20 through 11. Next week, our last show of the year, it's stories 10 through 1. I'm Brian Berger, and you're listening to Sports Business Radio. Happy Holidays. We're counting down the top 20 sports business stories of the year. The show continues after this. It's Christmas time. Snow is falling on our nose. Underneath the mistletoe, twinkling lights of green and gold and red looking so pretty. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bowl Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We're back and we're continuing our countdown of the top 20 sports business radio stories of 2011. Brian Griggs is joining me for this countdown. Uh, Griggs, two big names were on trial in 2011 from the world of baseball. Two of the greatest players ever, at least statistically. Barry Bonds was on trial in April and he was convicted of obstruction of justice. And then Roger Clemens was on trial in July, and he was on trial for perjury. Let's start with Bonds, though. Bonds, you know, this trial was in San Francisco, and we all remember the clear and the cream. And um, as it 
as we tape this show right now, Barry Bonds stands a very good chance of going to prison at least for a small amount of time. Yeah, and you know, it doesn't surprise me because I think I, I think he might be convicted. I just I get the vibe that he's going to spend some time behind behind uh, the bars in the jail room because I don't know. I just his, his trial seems a little different to me. His story seems different. I don't know. It's it's an interesting story all the way around. It was weird seeing these big time players in court so much and seeing you know the the sports center and watching them walking out of the courts and it just. It was it was kind of annoying because you're so used to seeing these great athletes play, especially Clemens. He was one of my favorite pitchers to watch, and it's tough seeing him like that. Roger Clemens' trial was just bizarre because it was really over before it started. It was declared a mistrial, his perjury trial, because there was some information that was shared with the jury that wasn't supposed to be shared, and then there's something called double jeopardy. So you can't try someone for the same crime twice so now it doesn't look like Roger Clemens is ever going to be back in a courtroom. I'm certainly not a lawyer, but uh, geez, the feds who had worked so hard to get this to trial, it really got botched badly. Yeah, it really did. And, and something as small as just some kind of information that shouldn't have been passed, you know, that doesn't seem like it's, it's a major thing. But in the court of law, of course, that you know, drops trials right there if there's something that comes through that's not supposed to come through. And yeah, it was, uh, it was just weird seeing those guys, like I said, in, in trial. And it was uh, a lot of lawyers making some, some good money this year, that's for sure. Well, and if Bonds does indeed go to prison for any amount of time, what kind of a message will that send to future Major League Baseball players, NFL players, anyone else out there who might be thinking about using steroids? Now, we hadn't heard about steroids in a while in baseball until, in December, the reigning National League MVP, Ryan Braun, tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. He says, this is all a big misunderstanding, Uh, I'm going to clear my name, He deserves his day in court, for sure. But if he doesn't, he's going to be suspended the first 50 games of next season. And what a black eye for Major League Baseball, who have told so many people that they've cleaned up the sport of performance-enhancing drugs. And then you have such a high-profile player like Ryan Braun getting busted for performance-enhancing drugs. Not a good thing for Major League Baseball. Not a good thing at all. But on on a good side, I think the the 50-game suspension thing is massive. I mean, that's going to hurt him, and that's going to be—I think that's a big message to send out to the ballplayers because— you know, that's even you know, baseball plays a lot of games, but 50 games is a big chunk of, of a season, especially when you're a good player and trying to get momentum going and stuff like that. So I think on that side of it, if this does happen, it might help keep players out of drugs down the road. I think whatever happens, Bonds and Clemens do not make it to the Hall of Fame, which is really a shame because they could have been if they didn't use two of the greatest players who ever lived. And I think we're surefire Hall of Famers, but they wanted the cartoonish numbers instead of just Hall of Fame numbers, and we probably won't see them voted into the Hall of Fame. Manny Ramirez, for the record, he wants to be reinstated by Major League Baseball. He will be suspended the first 50 games of the season by whichever team uh, signs him because of his performance-enhancing drug use in the past. And the thing is, you know, Manny Ramirez is not all that surprising because he was at the end of his career. Maybe he's trying to prolong his career. But Ryan Braun, who doesn't look like a guy that's this big guy like a Barry Bonds that's juicing, um, you know, hey, as of right now, it certainly looks like he was. And again, he'll miss the first 50 games of the season for the Brewers. And they can't really afford that because they're not going to be able to afford to re-sign Prince Fielder. And Fielder and Braun were part of the potent duo for the Brewers last year. So really, big blow to the Brewers. And oh, by the way, 
Major League Baseball Commissioner Bud Selig used to own the Milwaukee Brewers, so isn't it ironic that someone that plays for the Brewers has been busted for performance-enhancing drugs? Our 16th biggest story of the year 2011, Peyton Manning. Wow. You want to talk about a guy who means a lot to his team? Peyton Manning, as of the time of this taping, the Colts have not won a game, Griggs. They are winless. Some people would think, okay, Peyton Manning goes down. They'll win a few games, but they're not going to make the playoffs. They have not won a single game. And there's so many layers of this story. The first is, will Peyton Manning ever play again? This is a nerve injury. This is not an injury that you recover from quickly. You don't know if he'll ever recover uh, to full strength to be able to throw a football from this. That's what the Colts are worried about. Uh, Manning has an interesting contract. He's due a $28 million option in March, which, by the way, is a month before the NFL draft. Right now, the Colts are on pace to get the number one pick in the draft, in which case they could use that to select Andrew Luck. Do you go Luck? Do you go Manning? Yeah, that's a tough question. And like you said in the beginning, I don't think anybody saw the Colts being this terrible. I mean, it's just, it's, it still shocks me that, you know, I mean, Manning's a phenomenal player, but I mean, the quarterback being gone and then them going winless so far is just phenomenal to me. And, you know, you, I guess you really see how important a good quarterback is for an NFL team, especially somebody as high caliber as Manning is. And it's sad to see him, especially an injury like this, where it's just, he can't really do much to get better. I mean, it's just a nerve. you got to just sit it out like he's doing and hope it, it heals itself and gets fixed the right way. Well, and he's gone for uh, consultations in Europe. I mean, he's gone all over the world to try and find out, all right, how do I fix this? How do I get back out on the football field? But you don't know how your body is going to respond to some treatments, and that's what he's been struggling with this year. And that's what's really tough. Now, I don't see the Colts picking up Manning's $28 million option and then dumping a huge signing bonus on Andrew Luck as the number one quarterback, you know he's going to get paid. That's a lot of money. You can only get one of them on the field at a time. So do you put your trust in Manning, who's 35 years old, who had been durable before this, and try and trade the number one pick, which you could probably get three picks for, maybe a few players. You could get a real load of talent for that number one pick because everyone wants Andrew Luck? Or do you let Peyton Manning walk? Do you not pick up his $28 million option? And do you take Andrew Luck with the number one pick? That is the dilemma that the Indianapolis Colts face. I think they're going to part ways with Peyton Manning, and I think they're going to take Andrew Luck with the number one pick. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, because, look, they need a quarterback right now, obviously. I mean, they can't. They're not winning games, and Luck is is a great quarterback, as we've seen, and I think he fits that offense pretty well, too, and even adds another dynamic in his running game. So, um, yeah, I, I think when you look at it and you start laying it out, I think Luck seems like the, the way for them to go. Well, if you look at it, the biggest thing here is Luck is healthy, and he's a lot younger. And Peyton Manning is 35 years old. He's played a long time in the NFL. You don't know what his health is going to be like in the future. Andrew Luck is really, in many people's opinion— the next Peyton Manning. This is a guy who calls his own plays at the line of scrimmage, calls audibles. Uh, for Stanford, he's been the de facto offensive coordinator. They send him to the line with three or four plays. He reads the defense. He makes the call. That's what Peyton Manning has done his entire career for Indianapolis. That's one of the reasons I think we've seen the Colts' offense struggle is because he was the de facto offensive coordinator for this team. The problem for the Colts is their defense has laid down this year. I mean, you want to talk about suck for luck. 
the Indianapolis Colts defense has indeed sucked for luck this year. You wonder if Jim Caldwell, the coach, is going to be there at the end of the season after probably going winless. But uh, what a story in Indianapolis this year and shows you the importance of one Peyton Manning. Our 15th biggest story of the year, 2011, two Yankees achieve historic milestones. First, in July, it was Derek Jeter getting his 3,000th hit, and he becomes the 28th player in Major League Baseball to achieve that milestone. Then in September, Mariano Rivera gets save number 602, and he breaks the all-time record for saves. Look, many people believe Mariano Rivera is the greatest closer of all time. I would be in that camp. So he deserves that record. It's a longevity record. Sometimes the guys who are the best don't necessarily achieve those records, but he's been around for a long time, so he did get that record, which is good because he is the best closer of all time. And then Derek Jeter, you know, the captain. And ironically, he got his 3,000th hit on a home run. And Jeter's not a home run guy especially anymore, but uh, what his, what history we saw at Yankee Stadium this year. Yeah, two, both, like you said, I agree 100% with you on, on both those things. And, yeah, it was fun. I mean, those are fun moments for baseball fans. It's fun to see it. Um, you know, of course, it's the Yankees, which, you know, you got everybody seeing it and everybody watching it. Cool thing with Jeter, too, is he's, you know, he's been a Yankee the whole time. And getting in that hit, the home run, it was a great moment for him, I'm sure. It was fun to watch on TV. And same with uh, Mariano. It was just uh, a pitcher that can can excel that well and be that much of a closer to get that record. It's just got to be phenomenal. Well, and these guys came up together, too. So it's kind of neat to see them rooting for each other. They both get their milestones in the same year. Tell you what I enjoyed is HBO did a documentary with Derek Jeter leading up to that historic hit. And I thought it was really good. Derek Jeter doesn't give you a ton of insight into his personal life. And they spent a lot of time with him on and off the field leading up to that historic hit. And look, that's one of the reasons the Yankees brought him back, Griggs, is Fans wanted to see Derek Jeter in a Yankee uniform as he broke that milestone and became the greatest Yankee hitter of them all as far as hits are concerned. No other Yankee has ever gotten 3,000 hits. I mean, pretty amazing. And one last thing, at least with Jeter, he signed a deal with Upper Deck. He signed a bunch of memorabilia. So, you know, sometimes athletes don't even own their own signature. They just sign a flat fee deal with a company and say, okay, for this, I'll sign this amount of merchandise. And that's what Derek Jeter did. All right, coming up next, we'll continue our countdown. We're counting down the top 20 sports business radio stories of the year 2011. This week, we count down stories 20 through 11. Next week, our final week of the year, it's stories 10 through 1. I'm Brian Berger. Happy holidays. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is SBR's top 20 sports business stories of the year. More of the countdown next. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports 
in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. And we're back and we are continuing our countdown of the top 20 Sports Business Radio stories of the year 2011. This week, stories 20 through 11, and next week, stories 10 through 1. All right, we are at story number 14, 14th biggest story of the year 2011. The Boston Bruins win their first Stanley Cup since 1972. Bruins, a storied franchise. In June, they beat Vancouver, the Canucks, in Vancouver in seven games. And Griggs, uh, great series. Boston had many comebacks throughout the playoffs, but I think what a lot of people remember this for is the rioting that took place in Vancouver after Game 7, people turning cars over, starting fires. Uh, Your team just lost, and boy, the fans of Vancouver really responded in a in a weird way. Yeah, I know. My team just lost. Let's go destroy our city. I mean, it's like, yeah. I know, I've never understood it. No, I never understood it either. But yeah, it was an awesome series. Uh, hockey is fun to watch, especially that Stanley Cup when you go to Game 7 like that. Lots of comebacks and, and lead changes and back and forth in the series. Uh, you know, some good scoring games, four, five, six goals scored, so that keeps uh, keeps you excited. It's not a 1-0 final score. So yeah, it was fun. It was a great series, and it's cool seeing Boston. You know, they're, they're a hockey story team that everybody in a, that likes hockey, you know, follows the Bruins or has followed them at some point. So, yeah, it was fun. Good Stanley Cup for sure. So, a few notes on this. The Bruins became the first team in NHL history to win a Game 7 three times in the same postseason. So, these guys were living on the brink the entire way, finally got it done. And then Tim Thomas, unbelievable. He became the oldest Conn Smythe Trophy winner in NHL history. He stopped a jaw-dropping 238 of the Canucks 246 shots in the finals for a 967 save percentage. So Tim Thomas, I mean, you would talk about athletes that had an incredible 2011. Uh, he really was at the top of that list. Our 13th biggest story of the year, 2011. How about the St. Louis Cardinals? Cardinals were down 10 and a half games, Griggs, in the wild card with a little over a month remaining in the season. They sneak into the playoffs on the last night of the season. By the way, an epic last night of the season. Best last night of the season ever in Major League Baseball. And then they go on and win the World Series along the way. They beat the Philadelphia Phillies. Many people thought with Cliff Lee being in the fold again for the Phillies, Pairing him with Roy Halladay, the Phillies were the odds-on favorite to win. And then also the Cardinals won a Game 6 of the World Series against the Rangers. That's going to go down as one of the great World Series games ever as well. David Freeze, walk-off home run. They win in seven games. So really a thrilling from, if you go from the last day of the Major League Baseball season all the way to the end of the World Series, incredible. Yeah, it was absolutely phenomenal. And that's why baseball is so fun in October, September, October win. You know, these teams that, that have had a dip 
in their you know their August late summer lost a couple games like St. Louis did and then all of a sudden they ramp it up and that's I think that's what makes baseball the long season such such a fun thing is because a team can really suck it up for a while but then you've got that time to rebound and man they caught fire in October and just uh, tore it up and yeah I mean those games were epic I mean I, I remember standing that game six I was home yelling at the TV <laughs> I don't do that for baseball yeah. <laughs> you know it was phenomenal it was really really fun to watch no it was very very exciting and. You know, like I said, that last night of the Major League Baseball season with Tampa Bay getting in on the last night. And Boston, they had an epic collapse. The Atlanta Braves had an epic collapse. So, uh, just incredible story for the Cardinals. Tony La Russa then retired days after the season was over. He ends a Hall of Fame career. He won his third world championship and rides off into the sunset in style is a winner. Griggs, anytime in sports you can do that, go out on top, what a great thing. Yeah, I think he did the exact right thing as a manager that's had a storied history of winning and uh, just seems like a, he knows what to do, he knows how to manage teams, and yeah, what a way to go out. I mean, <laughs> phenomenal season to go out and a comeback season like that and then winning the World Series. And another note to the World Series, of course, the, uh, the Rally Squirrel. Oh, yeah, the rally squirrel, that's right. Very exciting. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we talked about this earlier in the year, but... How cool was it? So a squirrel runs onto the field in the St. Louis-Philadelphia series, and then St. Louis came back. So St. Louis Cardinals capitalize on it around the rally squirrel, and they have merchandise and towels and shirts and everything, and they made a fortune off of this little squirrel that had run onto the field to play. If that squirrel was only human, he'd have a contract right now somewhere. <laughs> that squirrel would have gotten some big-time royalties <laughs> yeah, big time. from all those merchandise sales. All right, our 12th biggest story of the year, 2011. The Green Bay Packers win the Super Bowl, and as we speak, they're angling for an undefeated season, looking like one of the best teams of all time. And the Packers were a team that got into the playoffs, but you know, no one really pegged them as Super Bowl champs. They had a lot of injuries, but they still made it to Dallas for the big game, and they won the Super Bowl. They beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Aaron Rodgers was MVP, really took his place amongst Packer greats. And, you know, there were all the comparisons to Brett Favre. People aren't talking about Brett Favre anymore. They're talking about Aaron Rodgers, who, by the way, this season is having an unbelievable MVP-type season. He's completing passes at a 71% clip, which he's on pace to set the all-time single-season record for highest completion percentage in a season. So the Packers have kept it going this year. And, you know, Griggs, a lot of the guys that were injured when they made that run to the Super Bowl last year have been healthy this year, so they're even better this year. Yeah, they're definitely clicking this year. And I think the, the impressive thing about Aaron Rodgers is how literally from the Super Bowl last year, through all the lockout in the summer and everything, and he comes back like he didn't miss a beat. It's like he just had another game another week later. I mean, he, he just came back. He's clicked ever since the, the game one, and he just... He commands that offense out there, and he just—it's like he—you see the confidence when he snaps the ball. He knows where he's going with it. He's got phenomenal receivers and tight ends that are, you know, catching everything he throws too. But man, they're just a fun team to watch. And um, I don't know. I mean, it, like you said, they—they kind of snuck in last year to win the Super Bowl. I don't think people expected it this year. I think people are kind of more like, hey, they're the real deal. And uh, it'd be kind of cool to see him go undefeated. I don't know though. Playoffs are tough. Playoffs are tough. Uh, they've still got a few games left during the regular season. Uh, the Miami Dolphins are the only team that have gone undefeated from start to finish in NFL history. The Patriots were close a few years ago. But uh, can the Packers run the table? We'll see. The other story about the Super Bowl, two stories about the Super Bowl this past year. Well, actually three. 
Christina Aguilera completely botched the national anthem. Like one of the worst renditions uh, this side of Roseanne Barr and Carl Lewis. Then you had ice and snow in Dallas during the Super Bowl. So it was like gridlock. People couldn't get around. And this is in Dallas, a a quote-unquote warm weather city where you take the Super Bowl. But the worst fiasco of all was the Super Bowl seat fiasco. 400 people purchased tickets, flew into town to see the Super Bowl, and they go to their seat, and the seat either wasn't there or it was an obstructed view seat. They get removed, taken downstairs. They watch the game on TV. Now, the NFL didn't at first apologize. These fans were irate. Then the NFL realized the gravity of the situation, and media reports got out about this, and those fans started talking to the media. Then they said, okay, well, we want to make this up to you. We'll give you tickets to a future Super Bowl. There were lawsuits that were threatened. At first, Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, the Jerry's Palace that hosted the Super Bowl, you know, everyone talked about that. So he was uh, under fire, but a lot of people will remember this past Super Bowl for the seat fiasco. I can't imagine if you go drop two grand on a seat, you know, hotel, transportation, walk in the door, here we are, Dallas, yay, and then you don't have a seat. I mean, unbelievable. Well, and here's the problem with, okay, you can go to a future Super Bowl. Well, what if your team isn't in that future Super Bowl? (laughs) You're screwed. (laughs) Yeah, you're a Steelers or Packers fan, and, you know, I guess for Packer fans, they could probably go to the Super Bowl again this year, and maybe the Packers are in it this year, but it doesn't have the same meaning if you're going to the Super Bowl and your team that you've rooted for all your life isn't there. So that's the problem for the NFL. But give the NFL credit, they came up with a few different scenarios. You know, we'll give you money back, we'll pay for your plane ticket, or, you know, we'll fly you to a future Super Bowl and put you up and take care of all your accommodations and things like that. But I guess the Lesson learned is uh, if you're going to build a stadium like Jerry Jones did in Dallas, go sit in every seat or hire someone to sit in every seat and make sure that you can actually see the field of play from that seat. I mean, what architect designed the stadium with obstructed view seats? And then, like you said, you're spending $2,000 a ticket for these seats and you can't even see the game. You got to go downstairs and watch on TV. Well, you could do that at home. Yeah, just not good all the way around. And uh, also a couple of things, too, from Super Bowl. We had some endorsement deals, too, with uh, Matthews and uh, Aaron Rodgers with State Farm. Did that come after the, the Super Bowl? Was it he, did, yeah. yeah. And those two guys by far uh, saw the most endorsement deals. They saw huge leaps in their jersey sales and, you know, really became household names. Clay Matthews. And Clay Matthews is a great story because here's a guy who walked on at USC. He was not... Uh, he was a first-round pick, but, you know, he wasn't one of the first guys off the board. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers was passed over by many, many teams when he was drafted. And he sat behind Brett Favre, waited his turn patiently. And uh, both those guys got their chance on the big stage, and they came through in big fashion. Our 11th biggest story of the year, 2011. This was a stunner. Albert Pujols, who had played his entire career for the St. Louis Cardinals, left the St. Louis Cardinals in December to join the Los Angeles Angels. Ten years, $250 million. Now, Griggs, a lot of people thought, oh my gosh, what a ton of money for Albert Pujols. And it is, but when you see that the Angels came out the very next day and they signed a 20-year, $3 billion TV deal with Fox... 
then you go, well, now it all makes sense. Albert Pujols is the star of the new TV series called the Los Angeles Angels. And because the Angels signed a premier player such as Albert Pujols, they they were able to parlay that into the $3 billion deal with Fox. Yeah, it's a big deal for Pujols, and we talked about this when we talked about this on our on the regular show. But uh, you know, it's a big market for him too. And L.A. and is going to kind of go up against the Dodgers now. You got the two L.A. teams down there, and and now the Angels. You know, they, who have been playing better ball and have been kind of you can see them moving up the ranks. And uh, this is obviously a ma- massive step towards that. So it'll be interesting to see how they play ball this year. Other than Kobe Bryant, Albert Pujols is now the biggest star in Los Angeles. He's won a few World Championships and. Like you said, he's going to get more endorsement deals. There were a lot of St. Louis fans very unhappy that Albert Pujols left. But look, if you were offered 10 years, $250 million, and really $50 million more than what the Cardinals were offering, and you wanted to go to a bigger market, I see how this makes a lot of sense for Albert Pujols. For the Angels, you know, Pujols is 31 years old. Is he going to be good in the latter part of this contract? The good thing about going to the American League, though, is that Pujols in the latter part of this contract could DH. But a lot of money at risk here. But I think the Angels with number five Albert Pujols Angels jerseys with this TV deal we just told you about with ticket sales, they'll more than make up this $250 million that they invested on Albert Pujols, they signed C.J. Wilson in the same day, so they spent $325 million in the same day. To put that in perspective, Artie Moreno, who bought the Angels, purchased the entire team in 2003 for $180 million. So that is the story of the Los Angeles Angels. All right, coming up next, Griggs and I are going to share some of our Christmas traditions with you. And we wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas, a happy holiday season. We'll come back and put a bow on this edition of Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Happy holidays from Sports Business Radio. More of our countdown of the top 20 sports business stories of the year coming up next. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Well, happy holidays to you. Next week, we'll be with you to count down our top 10 Sports Business Radio stories of the year 2011. It's Christmas tomorrow, and Griggs, 
Give me your favorite holiday tradition in the Griggs family. Well, my little guy, Kellen, he's five years old, so he is big time into it this year. But um, every year we sleep, we have our Christmas tree out in the living room area, and we have some couches, and it's always the sleep by the tree Christmas Eve night, which only lasts about two hours before we want to kill ourselves, me and my wife. <laughs> but but uh, so we do that. We sleep out there. And then uh, in the morning we get up and, and do the presents and everything. And then my wife makes this uh, traditional uh, bacon, mushroom, egg, cheese. Nice. Phenomenal mixture of loveliness. And we have the same little breakfast every morning and uh, hang out and then usually go over to uh, her parents' house. So it's a good time. That is a good time. Well, have a good Christmas. At our house, me and my daughter, we do a few things. First of all, she's got Elf on the Shelf. If we you did know. that this year, too. Oh, yeah. Love it's, it. It's awesome. <laughs> so Elf on the Shelf flies to the North Pole every night, comes back, hides somewhere in the house. It's thrilling for the child to find the elf in the morning, but uh, on Christmas morning especially. And then what we do the day before Christmas on Christmas Eve is we make reindeer food. And we put a big thing of oatmeal together, we put some glitter in it, and then we spread it out on the driveway and near the roof so the reindeer know where to land on Christmas Eve. So uh, good times at the Burger House on Christmas Eve. I've got a seven-year-old daughter, and uh, it's magical this time of year to see all that they... uh, the magic of Christmas through their eyes. It is, and that elf on the shelf thing, we, it's our first year doing that, and it uh, it's pretty phenomenal. He, he loves it. Coming well, out and trying to find it every morning and all that's Did great. you see the TV special? I hadn't, no. Oh, yeah, you got to see the TV special, because <laughs> once the kids see that, they believe even more in the magic of Christmas. We'll do so, that. We'll yeah, do that. <laughs> it's really good. All right, we will be back with you next week for the top 10 sports business radio stories of the year 2011. Thanks to everyone who made this week's show possible. Our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, Doug Zanger, and Max Waterman. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Click on the iTunes icon on the front page of sportsbusinessradio.com to have our show podcast downloaded to your iTunes every week. We'd love it if you post a review of our podcast on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Hold me tight. All the way home, I'll be warm. And the fire is slowly. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bowl Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. 